Good morning. Hi, my name's John. If you haven't seen my face around before, I'm one of the pastors of the church. And we're going to have a look at this story together now in Luke chapter 13, the story of the disabled woman who Jesus heals on the Sabbath day. Before we get stuck into that, I wanted to ask you what you feel about church. Um, this is a story all about how church is supposed to be a place of freedom. How Jesus community, people who follow Jesus, should be a place where, where we're set free to stand upright again, to, to speak to God, to look each other in the face, and to know that we really belong. Whenever, any day of the week, that we belong. That's what this story is all about. So what do you feel about church? Is church the kind of place where you feel like that, where you feel free and you look forward to going there and it's refreshing and you walk through the doors and you know, yes, these are my people. This is where I belong. This is where I can be myself. Or is it not that? Is it more, is it more of a chore to come to church? Or maybe not a chore, but something you have to steal yourself for, something you have to prepare to put on a face, to pretend you're better than you are, or more than you are, or more put together than you really are. Is church a place that exhausts you? A place where you have to rest after you've been there? I wonder if you can relate to that as well. I hope that's not true, but, um, but I imagine it is for many of us. If you've never been to church before, to our church or to any, then you'd really be welcome. We'd love to have you there, and we really strive to be a community where people can be themselves. Um, so we'd love to have you along to come and be a part of that and play your part in making it a community where people feel at rest. So let's see Jesus at work, forming this community of freedom and of rest. See, Jesus is a doctor. Jesus is sometimes, people kind of give him the nickname, the great physician, the great doctor, who knows exactly what we're like as people, who, who has the right diagnosis for what's wrong with us, because he made us, and who knows how to put it right and who has put it right, made it possible for us to be who we really are, who we were made to be. So Jesus is the great physician. We're going to have a look at this story now, and you'll see him make a diagnosis. You'll see him give a treatment, and then we'll see the reaction in a few different people. We'll see a reaction to that treatment. So what's his diagnosis? Well, picture the scene. It's a sunny Sabbath, Saturday morning, the day that the people of Israel would rest. They'd stop all their work, and they'd spend it contemplating God, thinking about him, spending time with his people, remembering all that God had done for them. It was the Sabbath day, so a sunny, maybe Sabbath Sunday morning, Saturday morning, sun streaming in through the windows of the synagogue, and they've got a guest preacher, Jesus himself. How amazing would that be? Jesus preaching in your church. Well, Jesus is there, and halfway through his sermon, he pauses, he spots somebody in the crowd. It's a packed place. I mean, there would have been a crowd, wouldn't it? Jesus was a famous preacher by this time. People knew that when he spoke, you really should be there to listen. You did not want to miss out on that day. But Jesus stops and spots somebody in the crowd, a woman who's been ill, who's been sick for 18 years. Her body is twisted up, crippled, hunched over, and she's been like that for 18 years. I can't, I'm not sure we can imagine what that would be like. Maybe some of you know exactly what that's like. For others, we'll just have to use our imagination. Imagine not being able to look anyone in the face for 18 years. Imagine not being able to, um, I don't know, probably get married or have a, a, a hard job where you could work with your hands. Imagine all the limitations it would put on you. And then imagine when Jesus pointed at you and said, come forward. Imagine how embarrassed you'd be. It's embarrassing enough, isn't it, when a teacher in school points you out and ask you to be quiet or ask you to answer a question. 
It's embarrassing enough when a preacher does that if you've just nip, you know, dropped off to sleep and he wakes you up. But imagine if Jesus, the Son of God, did that in front of everyone. Imagine this woman wanted the ground to swallow her up, but there was no need to feel like that because Jesus had good planned for her. He calls her forward and he speaks gently. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then he touches her and she straightens up straightens up for the first time in 18 years. I mean, it's nice enough, isn't it, when you've been on a, a long car journey or a plane journey and you get to finally stand up and stretch your legs and stretch your back. Imagine what that would have been like after 18 years of being crushed. She gets to stand up. It's a beautiful thing. And so she rejoices. So what's Jesus' diagnosis? Do you see his diagnosis of her problem, his treatment in his healing? And then there's that first reaction in her rejoicing. She praises God. That's in verse 13. Straightens up and praises God. But what's his diagnosis? Well, actually, it's deeper than a physical problem. Did you spot that as we went through the reading? Verse 16, Jesus says, this woman has been kept bound by Satan for 18 long years. It wasn't just a physical problem in this case. Now, that's not because they're superstitious, um, naive people, kind of ancient people before science or something like that. No, Luke was a doctor. Luke knew what he was talking about when it came to physical problems in people's lives. And Jesus is the one giving the diagnosis here. So his words really should be enough for us. He says it's not just a physical problem. If you want to see that they do know the difference, you could go back to Luke chapter 4, verse 14 and 41. You can see all sorts of different people going to Jesus and some are just plain sick. They've got physical problems and some have real dark spiritual issues too. They have problems with demons. And this woman seems to mix the two. Something's happened in her life where Satan has taken hold and he's crushed her body. We don't know what that was. But Jesus says that's what the problem is. And actually, I think if you read between the lines, you'll see that this is Jesus' diagnosis of humanity. I'm not saying that whenever we have physical problems, we should... Um, kind of look for some demonic issue as well, that it's always like that. No, there are kind of two problems that we often have when we start talking about spiritual issues like demons and that kind of thing. Some of us get really obsessed with that. And whenever we're stuck in a traffic jam on the way to church, we think it's demonic attack. Or whenever the pastor's sick or there's something going on that we can't understand, we think it's a demonic attack. Others of us think it's never the spiritual thing. It's always just cause and effect. You know, always some rational explanation. Now, both of those are errors, and Jesus doesn't make those errors. Jesus says this is both. This is one of those strange situations where there's more going on than the physical problem. There's a spiritual issue too. And I think that's a diagnosis of our humanity, isn't it? That in a way, this woman's problem is a parable. It's like a, um, an illustration, a metaphor for our problem as humans. That we are, you could think about it, um, we're often weighed down, aren't we? Weighed down by circumstances that have gone wrong, by sadness and grief. Weighed down by the memory of sins that we've committed, stuff that we know that was wrong. The memory of it weighs us down. The burden of it is sometimes just too great for us to bear. It feels like it crushes us. All sorts of things like that happen in the world. Circumstances and sins and all sorts of things in between that crush us. And the root of that, Jesus says, is a spiritual thing, that this world is twisted and dark and that there are evil forces within it that, that tempt us to sin. 
and the evil forces within it that within it that turn it and make it dark and sad and uh, sometimes at the root of tragedy and sadness that there's a spiritual problem as well as just a physical problem in this world that satan has been at work making this world an enslaved world a world that is hunched over that can't stand upright in god's presence and enjoy him that can't look him in the eye do you remember if you were here a few weeks ago we looked in chapter 11 just a few pages back the story of a man who was um, who couldn't speak and i talked about how that was a picture of us of what satan has tried to do in creating a silent planet where we don't speak to god where all we do is use our words to speak to each other around us and we've kind of forgotten how to speak to God. That man's disability was a picture of our spiritual, deeper spiritual problem. Well, this woman's disability is a picture of our spiritually deeper problem. That all of us, naturally, we might not have any kind of physical problems anywhere near this, but all of us have a spiritual issue where we're bent over, out of shape, where we've lost our dignity, we were made to stand up straight, not just kind of different from the animals like that, but, but that really is a picture of how God made us in his image to rule with him, to be morally standing up, to be spiritually standing up, to be, to be, to be full of dignity, to be ourselves in his presence and not to cower away in darkness, hunched over with all our burdens on our backs. You see, Satan hasn't just tried to create a silent world a silent planet where we don't speak to God. He's tried to create an enslaved planet where we're given to all these different things that aren't God and end up, end up in real trouble in the shadows, far away from God's presence. That's the diagnosis. It's a diagnosis of every person, not just this woman. We've got really deep spiritual problems where we're enslaved. I wonder if you feel that. I wonder if there are things in your life that make you feel squashed down. I wonder if there are things in your life that, that you know that, that you've done and you just don't know how to get rid of them. The memory of them is just too great to bear sometimes. You just don't want anybody to see. You want to put a face on and come to church because how could people love you? How could they welcome you if they'd seen what you've done or seen what other people have done to you? Sometimes we have burdens that really crush us, but do you know what the solution is? The treatment is to come to the great physician, to bring ourselves in prayer, to bring ourselves in, in body, in coming to the church, in coming to the Lord's table, in coming to hear his words as we open up the scripture and preach them, in coming to meet God's people and hear them speak God's words to you. We're supposed to bring ourselves to Jesus in all those different ways. On our own and with each other, we're supposed to come to Jesus as he calls us. That's what he did. You see, he makes the first move. He's preaching, he spots this woman and he says, come here. He calls her forward. Have you heard Jesus call you? Have you ever been sitting listening to a sermon or listening to a song or reading a portion of the Bible or overhearing a conversation other Christians have been having and something just clicks with you? It's as if those words, even though maybe the person doesn't know you, doesn't even know you exist, it's as if their words were meant for you. Have you ever heard Jesus's voice like that calling to you? Well this woman answers that call and she comes forward and what's the solution? solution is Jesus's words. He speaks to her and it's Jesus's touch. His body touches her body and she's healed. Have you ever thought about the importance of bodily touch in Jesus's healing? If you know the stories of Jesus, really all these gospel stories, the story of Christianity, the good news of it is all wrapped up in Jesus's body. 
Just think about this for a second. Jesus was born in a human body. That's what we celebrate at Christmas with great joy and presence and feasting. Jesus was, well, he grew in wisdom and stature. His body grew as he passed through teenage years and grew to adulthood. And then as an adult, he was baptized and his body was dipped in water. His body was put through all sorts as he traveled around teaching people. His real throat made air move so that people with real ears heard him speaking to them in Galilean air. And eventually, a few years later, they beat his body. They crucified his body. And then they buried his body in a tomb. And three days later, he rose to life again. His body came to life again, glorified. And they sat down and ate with him and spoke with him and touched and cutched him. Jesus's body is how he saves us. Jesus's body is inseparably linked to the good news of Christianity. He really did come into history. He really did die for your sins. His body was broken on the cross for you. His body was crushed by the weight of the sins of the world that he carried on his shoulders. And he did that for you. His body was broken, twisted, hunched over. He died in the darkness of the shadows, crying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He died far away, cast out, cut off, crushed for you, for me. But that's not the end of the story. Like I said, three days later, Jesus is alive again. And do you know who was at the tomb? A woman, Mary Magdalene. She'd gone to the garden where they placed his body in a tomb early in the morning, in the shadows, hunched over with grief. And she was waiting at the tomb. And then she sees that the tomb is empty. The stone has been rolled away. And what does she hear? A man comes up behind her and says her name and calls her calls her out of the shadows of grief, out of the shadows of being crushed by the weight of the, the sorrow of seeing Jesus die. He calls her out of that and says her name, Mary. And she realizes and she straightens up and sees that Jesus is alive. And then she runs off and tells everyone about it. You see, the whole of the Bible, the whole of the good news of Jesus is about him calling people out of the shadows of grief, out of the shadows of sin, out, of, out from under the slavery of being squashed by, by whatever it is that, that squashes your humanity, whatever it is that sucks the life out of you. Jesus has come to forgive that, to take it away, to die with it, and to rise again so that you could come with him, that you would have new life inside your heart, that you could be healed of that deep problem. See, he knows the diagnosis. And he is the treatment. The great physician himself is the answer. But I wonder if there's a question tumbling about in your mind at the moment. The question of why Jesus doesn't heal everyone physically all the time. And he does it so much in these stories over and over again. He seems to be healing people and he does it just like that. So if he heals us inside just like that, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, this story that there's no waiting the synagogue ruler, this man says, no, you should wait until tomorrow to be healed. And Jesus says, no, 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 we'll do it right now. God's grace and his forgiveness is as close as our next breath. His grace, his mercy and forgiveness are nearer than your next breath. He doesn't make you wait. He says, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be opened in that moment. He'll come and make you new from the inside out. He'll come and heal that deepest problem with himself. 
and call you to be a part of his people. He'll call you to stand up again spiritually, to look him in the eye and to be a part of his people. That happens right now, no waiting. Right now, your next breath, his mercy is right there. So why does he make us wait sometimes for physical healing? I know there are many in our congregation who have been waiting many years, who've been praying many prayers, who wept many tears, asking God to fix something that's just so painful in their lives. That might be any number of things, relational things, physical things. Sometimes Jesus asks us to wait. Well, why would he do that? Um, I want to read you a little extract um, from a book. It's a book written by somebody in our congregation. Um, she's quite new to our church. Her name's Debbie. Now uh, you could go and ask her about this afterwards. This is her autobiography, story of her life. Um, she says right at the beginning, um, as somebody who's suffered with cerebral palsy for, for many, many years, um, from birth, um, Debbie writes this at the beginning of her autobiography. Contrary to the popular teaching that it's always God's will for us to be healed, it's my prayer that whoever reads this book will be encouraged to learn that there really is great power in our weakness. Not for one moment do I doubt that God could heal me in an instant. He hasn't. He, he doesn't even need my faith to do so. Um, some people say, well, if you haven't been healed, then you haven't had enough faith. You haven't prayed hard enough. You know, um, it's kind of your fault, some people say. Debbie says, no, he doesn't need my faith to heal me. Um, however, up until this point, he has not healed me. He has instead chosen to use my disability to impact lives in a far greater way than what an actual physical healing could ever have, um, have been used for. I can truly say that choosing to use my weakness for his glory is an absolute honour for me as I've come to know him in, in ways that I'm sure I would never have known him if I was not forced to be so dependent on him. Um, my grace is sufficient for you, Debbie quotes this from 2 Corinthians 12, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Um, Debbie is somebody who longed for, prayed for healing for a long time. If you read her book, um, page 65, or just go and chat to Debbie and ask her, and she came to a point eventually where she was at peace with that, where she knew that God was asking her to wait for her healing and that instead he would use her weakness. He would use her disability for his glory. And he has, if you know anything about Debbie, she's just the most wonderful person to talk to, full of, full of the joy of the Lord Jesus. Even though he hasn't healed her body just yet, Debbie's been transformed from the inside out. I encourage you to go and... Um, and ask her if you can borrow a copy of her book. Um, go and chat to her, ask her to, um, to share her story with you. Why doesn't God heal us immediately? I don't know the answer to that specifically in your case. Um, but I think Debbie's shown us the path towards an answer. That sometimes Jesus asks us to wait because he's got bigger plans. He asks us to wait for healing because he wants to teach us lessons in our weakness that'll be even greater, even more glorious than if he healed us just like that. Um, perhaps that goes some way to answering that question. If not, well, you can drop us a line on, uh, on the website or on Facebook, on YouTube, or um, just give me a ring. I'd love to try and talk it through more with you. I know it's a really sensitive subject. And it's a really difficult thing to talk about, um, especially when you've been waiting for a long, long time. 
But we can see in this story, we can see from Christ's death that he really does love us, that he really does see us and know us, and he really does have a plan to use us for joy and for glory, even in our moments of greatest weakness and pain. So let's have a look at this. Jesus knows the diagnosis. He gives a a mind-blowing treatment, giving his own life, his own body for us. What's the reaction? Well, we've talked about one already. The woman's reaction is to straighten up and glorify God, to enjoy his presence, to walk with him. The people, right in the last verse, they're delighted. They can't believe the wonderful things that Jesus is doing, and it makes their hearts sing. But not everybody reacts like that. There's one other man or another group of people in the congregation, and their reaction well, it's more like an allergic reaction, isn't it? Instead of praising and being full of joy and full of happiness, they are confused and frustrated and, and enraged. This man stands up and he starts lecturing the people. He doesn't even have the guts to look at Jesus and rebuke him. He just looks at the, all these people waiting for Jesus to do good to them. All these lost sheep looking at their shepherd and he tries to drive the sheep away from the shepherd doesn't have the guts to deal with the shepherd head on. And what does Jesus say about him? He calls him a hypocrite. He says, you treat these people worse than you treat your animals. Why shouldn't she come for healing on the Sabbath day? Jesus says that's what the Sabbath day is all about. If you look at the the Old Testament, he's actually right. Um, You could read Deuteronomy chapter 5, which is in the Ten Commandments. A section where the Sabbath day is all about remembering. It says, Deuteronomy 5.15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. That's what the Sabbath is all about, remembering how God freed you from slavery. And in Leviticus, um, Leviticus 26 verse 13, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with your heads held high. The Sabbath day was all about remembering how God freed them from slavery and brought them to rest. And so Jesus says the Sabbath day is the perfect day to to give people rest. The Sabbath day is the perfect day to free this woman from her problems. The Sabbath day is not a day to do your religion and pile up your burdens and rules and expectations on the backs of people whose lives are already really difficult. Jesus looks at this religious man and says, stop putting extra burdens on this poor daughter. She's a daughter of Abraham. Do you know what Abraham was called to do? He was called to walk with God. Genesis 17 verse 1. That's God's call to him. Walk with me. This woman could barely walk. Jesus says, I'm going to make her walk. And I'm going to do it on the Sabbath day, which is all about freedom and goodness and rest. So come on, my daughter. Be healed. Straighten up. Look me in the eye. And glorify God. That's what the Sabbath is all about. You see, their allergic reaction is a horrible thing. I wonder if you ever see any of that in yourself. I see it in me. Tendency to make rules, to have expectations for how other people should behave. A tendency to judge and look down on other people. A reluctance to share what's most deeply difficult and dark about my own life. Because it's kind of easier, isn't it? To put up a front, to not be particularly honest. But I shouldn't be. If you're part of our church, it shouldn't be. We shouldn't be putting expectations on others. We shouldn't be piling up rules and extra regulations. Church, life with Jesus, 
life as part of Ammonford Evangelical Church, we should pray and work as hard as we can to be honest and to love one another, to bear each other's burdens and to say Sundays, special days, days when we get to see each other, moments where we bump into each other in the street, especially the times when we're all gathered together as the church, these should be times of rest and freedom. So what needs to happen for that to happen? Well, we need to recognise what we really are. We need to agree with Jesus' diagnosis. We need to come and take his treatment. We need to come to the cross and say, Lord, I'm sorry for, for how I've made a mess of my life. I'm sorry for how I've put rules on other people and squashed them down. I'm sorry for how I've, I've put burdens on my own shoulders and my own sins. I'm sorry for how I haven't lived according to your ways. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you take these burdens off? Would you help me to straighten up and look at you? That's what we should do. We should bring to him all of our sorrows as well as our sins and say, Lord, would you comfort me? Would you help me? And would you help me to be a comfort to others? Um, we should be a church. That's a place of rest. Would you like to make that happen? And um, Would you be a part of making that happen, of praying for that day by day, of living for that week by week? Well, it all depends on us as individuals and us as a church together, taking Jesus' diagnosis seriously, swallowing his treatment with joy and gladness, and then reacting with wonder, with glory. And rather than just being a religious community, we want to be a family of people who love Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that this would be true of us, that we'd recognise what we're like, we'd recognise the struggles others are going through, and Lord, we would come ourselves to you, to the great physician, and we would love to bring others to meet you, the great doctor who knows how to put us right. Lord, we, we want to say sorry now for how we... Um, how we've squashed down other people. And Lord, we ask that you would take those burdens off our shoulders and help us to be people of peace, who love to take burdens off one another, who love to live in truth, who love to speak truth, who love to love one another as we lead one another to you. Lord, we do pray that you'd make us a church like that, a church where people can come and find rest, where we can be honest and open um, and be free with you. Amen.